Hey friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queen's Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people, people to community, and community to mission. We're gathering on Saturdays at 3 p.m. to worship God and fellowship. If you ever have any questions, or if we could be of help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at redeemerqp.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. Good evening, Redeemer. Good evening, Redeemer. Bless you um, For those who don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the elders here in this church, and um, I will continue to be preaching through chapter 3. So for those that have been here previous week, but more so for those who have not been here in the last few weeks, um, the book of Ruth we've been going through, and if you was here, you would have heard about an Israelite woman who left Bethlehem with her husband and her two sons because of a famine. They went into the Moabite lands, and when they went there, um, you know, they got provisions in terms of food, um, and the two sons married two Moabite women. And eventually, Naomi's husband died, and eventually, her Naomi's two sons died. So what was left was Naomi with two Moabite daughter-in-laws. So with that, Naomi decided that she's going to make her way back to Bethlehem because she heard that the Lord has provided for them again. So the famine was over, so she'd go back to her homeland. She encouraged her daughters to stay where they are because her, their husbands was dead. But they both said they'd like to come along. But on further discussion, one of them decided to stay and the one that we're going to be hearing about, Ruth, she decided to say that she will be low to her mother-in-law and she will take her mother-in-law to people to be her people and her mother-in-law, God, Yahweh, the only living God, to be her God. So they went back to Bethlehem and um, as two females, without a male in that time, you know, as the male was the, more, the one who provided for the family, they was kind of in a place where time was very hard. So Ruth went out with her work ethic and she started to clean in the field. And it so happened in that field that um, it was one of um, Naomi's husband's, Elimelech's um, distant cousin. So, you know, Ruth actually found favor there and the story gets to develop. So where we are now, we're in scene three, chapter three the second crucial encounter between Ruth and Boaz. So we're going to go on from there. And thank you for reading that, darling. So we will continue here as we look at this wonderful story. So as we see, um, verse 1, Naomi declares to her, Naomi declares that, um, to her daughter that she wants to find her rest, that, she may, that all may be well with her. And rest would have been found in having her husband because the husband would provide so it would take away the stress of really finding ways of how you're going to provide which it was hard at that time now <coughs> the bible tells us do unto others as you would have them do unto you it's a biblical concept jesus states in luke chapter 6 31 and also matthew chapter 7 12 it is commonly referred to as the golden rule so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. 
And we see Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi, how she loves Naomi. So likewise, we're seeing that also displayed in Naomi's love for Ruth. Due to Ruth's loyalty, Naomi already declares in chapter 1, verse 9, the Lord grant that you find rest in the house of your husband. Ruth showed faithfulness, great loyalty, commitment and love towards her mother-in-law. These are the qualities we as Christians are called to display to the world as these are the qualities that Christ displays himself. And Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 tells us, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that way they will also reap. Verse 9 of Galatians 6, 9 tells us, And let us not grow weary with doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up hope. So then, as we all have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith. Ruth lived out these truths and continued being faithful, not showing herself grain weary, but doing good. And her season, little did she know, was eventually to come. It was on the horizon. So rest, let's look at rest. Naomi wanted rest for her daughter-in-law. She desired that her daughter-in-law, after showing her so much love, commitment, and honoring her, Naomi desires that her daughter-in-law would find rest. The Lord also wants us to find rest in our place, which is in him. We see throughout the Bible, the Lord provides rest for Israel in the land of Canaan. He redeems a people, he takes them along, and he promises them a land of milk and honey where they will have rest. He also provides rest for believers. So any believer here today who come to place their trust in Jesus Christ, maybe you may consider what was life like before you knew Jesus, but the Lord provides rest for all those who put their trust in Jesus. And if you are not in that place at the moment, whoever you may be in your life journey, Jesus is calling you to a place of rest, which will satisfy our souls in him alone. Just as God sees everything Ruth did, he also sees all we do. And in his providential plan for Ruth to bless her as she displays loyalty, faithfulness, and trust in God's people and their God to embrace them as her own. He will do good also to those who embrace Jesus Christ to be their Lord and their Saviour. Jesus is the true Redeemer, but throughout Ruth we will see Boaz a reflection and embodiment of the ultimate Christ who redeems. Matthew eleven twenty eight tells us, Jesus invites people who are weary and heavy burdened to come to him and he will give them rest. So again, the Lord is always there inviting people to come to him to have rest. And Jesus helps us to enter into this rest when we give him our burdens, when we give him our pain. This doesn't mean that all of our problems magically disappears though, but it does mean that the way we walk through our problems will change so we are aligned with the healthy possible outcomes. We'll see that as we continue through the book of Ruth. So verse 2, we see Naomi declares to Ruth that he is a near relative, not an immediate relative, but he is a near relative. 
and he just reiterates, she just reiterates, you know, Boaz, whom your young women you were with winnowing in the field. So Boaz is a relative, and relatives had obligations to look out for family members and support near distant family members of relatives. He says, Naomi says to Ruth, therefore wash and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. So Naomi gives her good instructions. As we all know, if someone is looking for a spouse, whether male or female, you make an impression. So Naomi tells Ruth to anoint herself, to prepare herself because she's going to make a so-called proposal to Boaz. So she prepares herself and she's told to go down to the fleshing floor. And <coughs> once Boaz eats and celebrates, as that would be the time of the harvest, the end of the harvest season comes in, so they have their crops. It's something that they would probably rejoice in. It was something where they'd be looking forward to, to maybe they're gonna sell their harvest and they will reap a reward and see what income they receive. So that is something to probably celebrate at the end of that season. So Naomi advises Ruth to prepare herself. She tells her what to do. And she also explains once he lies down to uncover his feet. Now, Boaz was probably more learned in the laws than, Noah, than Naomi. So when Naomi tells Ruth to wait and he will tell you what to do, because this is some kind of custom that would be carried out, there's nothing improper in that, but Boaz would know what to tell her to do when he awakes if his feet was uncovered and Naomi was there. So Naomi would tell Ruth what she must do. Boaz, as I said, he embodies a picture of Christ, our Redeemer, who helps us to follow the example given to Ruth to wait to be told what to do. This we must do as we look to our Redeemer. We must lay ourselves at the feet of our Redeemer, which is Jesus. We must come before him to receive from him our counsel and guidance. We see in the book of Acts when the apostle Paul was met with the Lord Jesus Christ and he came and a bright line shined around him. The Apostle Paul said to him, Lord, what will you have me do? So he seeks and asks the Lord, what will you have me do? Acts 9 verse 6, the Lord says to him, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. So the Lord always gives his people counsel. As long as we look to him, as long as we ask of him, that's where we would get counsel. As we know, God's word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. This gesture in the culture of Ruth going down to the, the harvest field and lying at his feet. This gesture in the culture of that to lie down at the feet was understood as an act of total submission. In that day, this was understood to be the role of a servant to lay at their master's feet and to be ready for any command of their master. And so this applies to us, as I said again, to lay at Jesus' feet as Jesus is our Lord and he is our master. So we come and lay down before our Redeemer that we can receive instructions from him. So when Naomi told Ruth to lie down at Boaz's feet, she told her to come to him in a totally humble and submissive way. And of course, in verse five, we see once again, we see Ruth's obedience. We see Ruth listens to good counsel and instruction and she acts upon it. She says, all that you, she says, she replied, all that you say, I will do. 
Ruth again displays this faithfulness and trust in her mother-in-law. She is ready to follow the instructions given to her in obedience. Naomi identifies Boaz in two ways. The first is as a relative. As such, he would be responsible for buying Naomi's husband's field, which was sold to somebody else. That would stay, they would also stay in the clan, so Naomi and Ruth would not be destitute. Also, God already done a providential plan for his people that if somebody did fall into a place of debt or hardship and they did have to loan out their field or sell their field, if there possibly was not a redeemer, the book of Leviticus, sorry, yeah, the book of Leviticus 25 tells us that, you know, a family member has the obligations to buy that property from the, near, from the nearest kin so that they could receive it so that their member, family member would not be in a place of um, destitute and they'd have to sell themselves into slavery. So we see that God is a God who cares about humanity. So even in this day and age, as we see many people broken, living hardships and um, destitute, God always has a means where ideally his church is a vehicle to try to look for ways to provide provisions. And we know that happens today with many food banks. We do know that some churches at wintertime, they will open their church when they have their own building and they will allow homeless people to come in and sleep in there. God is always looking to reach those who are on the margin and he assists them is a wonderful system because he cares for his creation. The second that um, Naomi shows speaks about Boaz is the second is the man who took great pains to protect Ruth as she worked. Ruth had spent the last few months in Boaz's fields gleaning and great gleaning grain. This meant scavenging stalks dropped from the hard workers and also those that was left on the on the trees as she went by again. Typically, a gleaner would make no more than probably a modern-day person collecting, let's say, for instance, maybe in some far distance, maybe slightly undeveloped country, somebody who's going out collecting aluminium cans or whatever. So somebody in a real hard place who is trying to make a living. That was Naomi, but she showed great work ethics and... Um, you know, and her desire to provide for her mother-in-law that he told his reapers to leave extra stalks for Ruth um, that she can have some provisions. We also know he fed her. He, he told her that she could drink from the same water as his, um, his workers drank from. So he showed great kindness to her, then keeping her, also keeping her safe from any man who was tempted to harm a foreign woman, as they may often have done. But... Naomi, let's picture Naomi. Naomi has a problem or, or she has a challenge. She wants Boaz, an older, highly honored Jewish man to marry Ruth, a young Moabite daughter-in-law. Probably culturally, there may have been some quite challenges there, knowing with the history of what happened with the Moabites and Israel. But Naomi knows Ruth deserves the best in life and she's resolved to make this happen. Ruth deserves the best. Naomi must balance several things at once. 
She needs to figure out how can Ruth propose to Boaz while keeping safe and maintaining enough privacy so that Boaz doesn't lose face for taking with a foreign widow and she's resolved it will happen. <coughs> so Ruth, therefore, needs to wait until after the party, after Boaz eats and he has food, so after his merry time, so that he and the others will be relaxed and asleep and then she can talk to him privately when he awakes because often any one of us would probably know when you snuggle up in bed um you know if if the covers are off your feet you probably somewhere along the line in the night you may well wake up the warmest place is you know out in the cold you want to have your hands warm and your feet needs to be warm but you know as i said if you was in bed and your feet was outside of the cover you probably may wake up and this is the the idea that is being communicated. Um, however, according to the customs of the day, we can't say that Ruth and Boaz were dating. So, you know, though we see in chapter two, he met her, he spoke to her, but according to the customs day, we can't say that they were dating in the way that we might think of dating in our modern culture today. They were not paired off as a couple with one-to-one -one time with each other. Rather, they spent their time together in the context of a group with the men and women who worked for Boaz in the harvest. And from God's perspective, I personally think that there is, very thank you, Louise, I think there is much in a date in the dating game that works against forming healthy, lasting relationships. That's my opinion. For many people, dating means the continual making and breaking of casual romantic relationships Patterns that can teach us more about how to end relationships than how to make them last, as God intended. Additionally, dating can be relatively superficial, a superficially way to get to know someone. Each person in a dating relationship tends to put on a mask for the other. For example, many for example, many women and men have been deceived into thinking a man or a woman is good or nice because he or she is nice to them in a dating relationship. Of course, he or she is. Often they are nice because they want something in that dating relationship. That's the objective. A better gauge to measure or possibly a better gauge to measure may be is um, possible, sorry, a better gauge to measure maybe the man or woman is to see how they act towards others in a group setting. Are they loving and warm to others? Do they engage and, and welcome strangers? Are they friendly or self-serving? Because sooner or later, as we all know the sayings, you know, um, you know, as the true saying goes, you'll see their true colors, you know, I see your true colors. So everybody's true colors eventually comes out. Of course, though, this is not always the case. So that's not always the case, just generalizing. But what I am saying is that when a man and woman get to even consider they may want to explore the possibility of the two becoming one, they need to be intentional within their heart and acknowledge anything less than being intentional and sincere causes pain to both parties. The most important relationship of a potential spouse or let alone a believer should be what? Come on, I'll let you talk back to me. Come on, Ty. So the most important relationship, you know, if you're looking for a spouse, 
the most important relationship, and even believers, it should be their relationship with God, with Jesus. That's the most important relationship. Loving Jesus causes us to keep his commandments and love others the way that he loved us. Having Jesus as your most prized relationship allows you to build your faith and your trust in him, knowing he will never let you down and you can always trust him as long as you look to him and commit your request to him in prayer. Ruth and Boaz embody these qualities. Ruth is a humble woman, faithful and obedient, and Boaz displays himself as an honourable man, willing to protect and serve those in a place of need. And that is the role of the man, the man who serves and protects his wife. That's what he does. Adam, we see the fallen man, but any marriage men in here would tell you, you know, we serve and protect our wife and the women. And that's why God has put us in the place as the head, but we're head with our wife, we're joint with our wife, but we understand we serve and we protect. And I say all of this, I mean, my ideal thinking likewise is, um, I met my wife in church and within the first four weeks, within a month, I was engaged to her. So I proposed to her within the first four weeks. That was me being intentional. So in my mind, it wasn't girlfriend and boyfriend. I can still keep a distance and talk to her and get to know her and that's without being commitment. That's just a friend. But within four weeks, right, I proposed to her. Within eight months, she became Mrs. Barnett. And, and, and you know, I just encourage uh, my sisters, I encourage you, you know, when someone comes to you, they need to be intentional. That's the way it needs to be. And, and we also have that model. We had our brother, Luke Humphreys, who was here, who journeyed in this church, um, the first marriage through this church. And like how we have a lot of young adults, we hope that we will see many more. That is my hope and my desire. But, but, but we see, we see um, Luke Humphreys, likewise, he met Kirsty, and I believe, <coughs> I believe maybe within, I don't know, 14 months, 12, 12 months or whatever, it was a quick time and then Kirsty became Mrs. Humphreys, right? So that's the kind of pie, that's what, you know, the men uphold, godly men. We want to be sincere and we want to be intentional. And we know, you know, David Louise, Reed, you know, married men, we know it's all death to us part. Jesus Christ is going nowhere. So, you know, as Beyonce say something about put a ring on the finger, but like, you know, that, 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 that is true, but, but we, we go nowhere. So really what I'm, what I'm trying to say here, you know, is um, there's right ways and there's wrong ways. And we're just trying to encourage you, you know, God made it and ideally, you know, that, um, you know, it's not good that man should be alone and the man and the woman become one flesh. But um, yes, you know, we need to be intentional. We need to be sincere. We don't want to see people get hurt. We don't want people to start developing doubts in their mind and wondering, oh, there's no good men out there. And, you know, there is good godly men as well as there is good godly women. So, um, yeah, so we, so we go on from there. So we, so we see that. So verse 6, anyway, we see from verse 6 to verse 8. Um, again, you know, so Ruth goes, she went to the threshing floor just as her mother-in-law commanded her. And Boaz was eating and drinking and his heart was merry and he went to lie down to end the heap, to, uh, at the end of the heap grain. So obviously, 
the end of the office, you know, as I said, they eat, they drink, they're merry, you know, they've got a good office and possibly they're going to sell it. So, you know, it's time to get married. Then he's probably going to sleep because you don't want thieves to come and try and take your harvest. So he sleeps there. Then, you know, Naomi came softly and uncovered his feet and she laid down. And about midnight, probably when he's tossing and turning, you know, he feels a little draft and um, he awakes and he's startled and he said, who are you in, in verse eight? <coughs> Excuse me. So Boaz says, who are you to Naomi in verse eight? And um, she answered him, you know, it's Ruth, your servant, so humbly, it's your servant. This shows that this was not an inappropriate thing for Ruth to do towards Boaz. It was bold, but not inappropriate. Ruth understood this as she identified Boaz as a close relative, a potential redeemer, though not her immediate relative, but still a kinsman and a potential redeemer. Though deceased Elimelech had the right to have his family name carried on and Boaz had the responsibility, or at least if the immediate relative didn't do that, he'd have a responsibility to, to, to look after the family name. This could only happen through Boaz or another relative marrying Ruth after, you know, redeeming the land and providing children to carry on the name. Um, Ruth boldly yet humbly pro um, properly sought her right. So Ruth asks Boaz to spread his wings over her. The term has two different meanings, each with a specific um, metaphor. First, it can refer to the wings of a mother bird who covers her chicks. We see mother hens cover their chicks, you know. Um, Jesus also uses the terms in the gospel, you know, like a mother hen, you could cover them, right? That's a symbol of protection and, and, and guidance and covenant. Um, the metaphor being one of protects, who protects another. In this way, Ruth was repeating Boaz's own use of the metaphor back to him. When he first met her, he pronounced a blessing over her saying, the Lord Yahweh repay you for what you have done and a full reward is given you by the Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You find that in Ruth chapter two, verse 12. So Boaz had declared this over Ruth, a blessing. And Ruth is actually challenging Boaz to be the agent of the fulfillment of his own blessing that he declared over her. Second metaphor, wings can also refer to the corner of a robe. For Boaz to cover her with his robe would mean he takes responsibility for her. Even more so, a man covering a woman with his robe is a symbol of marriage. We see this picture again in a metaphor in Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 8 as God speaks to Israel. He says, when I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Doesn't God have wonderful, affirming, beautiful love words to speak to his people? That is so beautiful. Anyway, Ruth calls Boaz a redeemer, one of the policies that God established in the Mosaic law, you know, um, to combat poverty with the idea of the kinsman redeemer. As we heard again, if a, if a man was short, you know, the redeemer would support them and um, redeem their land. 
God also made another way that um, there was also called the year of Jubilee, which was every 50 years. <coughs> the year of Jubilee, which was every 50 years, you read about that in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 8 to 12. The year of Jubilee was a time after 50 years if somebody did have their property loaned out, leashed out or sold. After 50 years, it would be it would be sent back to them. They would actually be reinstated with their property. Again, God always made provisions that his people would always have something within their family. And that was hopeful that the man would not have to sell himself or his family into slavery once again. We see in verse 10, we see, so Boaz says, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men with a poor or rich. Boaz may have considered himself possibly not the right match for Ruth, possibly the age difference, Maybe his looks thinking to himself he's unattracted to Ruth. And this may have ruled out any idea of a romance between them in his mind, whatever his faults were. This shows something else wonderful about Boaz. He wasn't going to just consider himself a man of privilege and consider that, you know, in his position he could take Ruth. He was kind enough to act to not act in this way towards Ruth. It also shows something else wonderful about Ruth. She based her attraction on Boaz possibly more on respect than on image or appearance. Tragically, many people fall in love with an image or an appearance rather than with a person they can really respect. <coughs> Ruth could have found herself a young rich man or a poor man that she really adored and she really loved. She may consider there'd be so much potential in that. Somebody my age, maybe they'd have a longer life, could have so many different children. She could have found that in her own land in Moab. Maybe she could have sought that somewhere else within um, Bethlehem in Israel. Instead though, her loyalty shows she wants to marry a relative of her in-laws and also she wants to bless Naomi because this is beneficial to Naomi. She chooses family loyalty over her own self-interest. Naomi is bitter, not just for herself. We see in chapter one, Naomi comes back and said, I'm bitter. She says what the Lord done. But because when her sons died, she failed to provide Elimelech an heir. Her sons died without children and no male heirs remained, which was a real problem in those days. Again, as I said, that male was the source of the family provision. Now, ladies, this is a good verse, verse 11. We know what a wonderful reputation. Boaz says to Ruth, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. But listen to this, to the talk of the town. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Isn't that a wonderful statement? Isn't that a great reputation to have? All the, theme, all, all the fellow townsmen know that 
Ruth is a worthy woman. Ruth is the actual Proverbs 31.10 woman. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Ruth displays spiritual qualities. She displays such compassion, unfailing devotion, respect, grace, honor, honesty, integrity, generosity, wholesomeness, virtue, honor, and kindness, to name just a few. She has a good character. And, and then we see, it goes on, but if he is not willing to redeem you. So, so Boaz is in a situation, he, he respects Ruth, she's come to him in a respectful way, he's willing to take on that responsibility. <coughs> but he also acknowledges he's not really first in line. There's another redeemer who has the obligation and the responsibility over him. So he does say that, um, but if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Boaz is neither Elimelech's nor Ruth's late husband's brother. He's a more distant relative, but he sees that Ruth is willing to give her life and her future for Naomi's honor. In response to her kindness, he is willing to marry this young, honorable, loyal, hardworking widow. Wonderfully, Boaz wasn't willing to cut corners he would do God's will, God's way. That's a lesson for us. We do things God's way, honouring the Lord. He knew that if it was really of the Lord, then it would be done orderly <coughs> and in a proper way. So he promises to present Ruth's proposal to this nearest relative. If he accepts, Ruth still gets what she wants. If he doesn't, Boaz is more than willing to step up. He will not only redeem the land, but he will also redeem Ruth. Again, this reflects our Lord Jesus Christ, who not only redeems us, but he redeems our lives and makes something beautiful out of it. And it's a matter of him being willing to redeem any who does not yet know him as their Lord and Saviour. And Lord, he's our Redeemer. So Ruth has a high reputation in Bethlehem. Her work ethic, her devotion to her mother-in-law, and she needs to be careful to keep this reputation. As verse 14, Boaz says that, you know, let it not be known that you were here by the threshing floor. The threshing floor was somewhere that we read in Hosea chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Rejoice not, O Israel, exalt not the peoples, for you have played the oar, forsaking your God. You have loved their prostitute wages on the floor, the threshing floor. The threshing floor, again, when people get their crops and their harvest, often prostitutes would go there and, um, you know, promiscuous behavior would take place and, and, and the wages of the wheat and the barley would also be, you know, be displayed there. So in addition, Ruth is a Moabite and, and we know her reputation that, you know, the Hebrews had a bad experience with them when they came to come over the land of Jordan. So as a proper gentleman, we see in verse 18, you know, Boaz calls Ruth to bring her garment and he gives her six measures of barley. 
and he's ashamed himself to be an honourable man, at least to Naomi, to show that he has sincere and good intentions. So as a proper gentleman, Boaz did not send Ruth home empty-handed, not having any chocolates, he gave her six handfuls of grain, sufficient provisions. So Naomi arrived in her home time to the light of her friends. Her own heart, however, had turned bitter. I went away for Naomi, says in Ruth 122. She said, the Lord has brought me back empty. Naomi's emptiness was profound. The emptiness was of family, food and hope. She was empty of these things. Two months later, her late husband's kinsman Boaz was made sure, had made sure that she had the food she needs. Soon her daughter-in-law will learn who she'll be married to. Naomi doesn't know to whom, but she is once again filled with hope of the potential marriage of her daughter-in-law. She doesn't know that her family is about to be restored. Before long, she will hold her grandson in her lap. You'll hear about that next week in chapter four. So, how often have you lost hope in your future? What does your future hold? What work will you do? Where will you live? Who can you trust? Ruth dealt with all of these issues, but she kept her focus faithfully on the Lord, and she was always hopeful. The book of Ruth likewise encourages us in times of darkness, when there seems to be no home. It's not about our status, our qualifications, our position in life, our personal resources, our looks. It's about God and us entering into his story and plans he has for our lives through the risen Lord Jesus Christ. God often takes, as we know, in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29, God often chooses what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And this clearly is seen through Ruth. Not a woman of status compared to the Jewish women, but still God sees Ruth's heart and her sincere intentions to hold to the God of Israel, making her him God. We learn through this chapter to observe Ruth's behavior and character in her faithfulness to the God of Israel. And likewise, we're encouraged to show our faithfulness to our Lord and Savior. Then the final verse, verse 18, she replied, Naomi replies to her daughter-in-law, wait my daughter until you learn how the matter turns out for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Likewise again, ladies, when a man is honorable, he will seek to settle and make his sincere intentions without delay. Again, this story shows God's people experience his sovereignty, his wisdom and covenant kindness. These often come disguised in hard circumstances and are mediated through the kindness of others. Naomi experiences Ruth's loyalty and kindness. Ruth, kind, Ruth finds kindness through Boaz, allowing her to continue gleaning his field. And Boaz experiences kindness in a young female Ruth, making her interest known to him. Quite a band, you can come up, Lou. And um, 
human kindness reflects the kindness of steadfast love that the Lord shows to his people. So with all of that, what's our takeaway? What's the application of what we just heard? All the characters throughout the book of Ruth and in Ruth chapter 3, they face life's normal challenges. Death, moving, lack of resources, familiar responsibilities, the things that we also face today. And they all found God is weaving a story of redemption out of all the details. So the book of Ruth encourages us to view our day-to-day -day lives as part of God's bigger plan for our lives and the world. Let me just pray. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful book of Ruth, Lord, displaying your wonderful love story. Father, as we see in Boaz, a man who embodies Christ's characteristics, willing to take Ruth, who was destitute, and provide for her. Lord, help us to see your goodness. Help us to see you as the one who knows our art, you know our futures. Help us to believe in the plans and purpose and intents that you have, intentions that you have for us. So Lord, help us as we worship you today that we would come before you. Help us to lay our burdens down before your feet, Lord. Lord, continue to redeem us, continue to take us, Lord. Continue to take our lives. Lord, cause our life to be a sweet smelling fragrance and something beautiful, Lord that would reflect who you are in your church. Answers in Jesus' name, amen.